0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. This morning, I want to continue by faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews. But if you look for what I'm talking about this morning, you won't find it in there. And I don't usually do this, but I'm going to tell you why I'm Preaching about what I'm preaching about this morning before I preach about it. And then when I get done, you'll see if I did what I said I was going to do. Preaching about this for a couple reasons. Last Sunday, I talked to you about a, a, a new chapter that's opening in front of us. Um, I want to walk into this chapter and continue having conversations about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. Leading through something like this is not a simple matter. Heard this week that leadership is disappointing people at a rate that they can keep up with. Sometimes in leadership, you make decisions and the change is never an easy thing. But I got 350 people who do this at a different pace. And I want to honor how we all walk through this whatever it looks like when we get to the next place I hope that what's said about us is that we've loved each other well if we do that doesn't really matter it's that's what we're called to do so one of the reasons I chose the story I want to look at this morning is that because I think it helps us in this conversation but also last week before I spoke last week I was at a conference and twice at that conference somebody spoke from this text and because I'm really discerning I thought maybe God wants to say something to me through this text and so uh, I'm going to tell you right up front that some of the things that I'm going to talk about this morning uh, are from that um, And I think it's a really helpful story. It's from Hebrews 11, but you won't find it in there. The story I want to look at with you this morning is part of the story that has been unfolding as we've walked through Hebrews 11. It's a story of God's people. It's a story of faith. The story is actually about a group of people that were facing a really difficult situation that demanded faith. And at the moment of decision, they stepped back. And that's why their names aren't in Hebrews chapter eleven, but their names are in the story. I hear people say things like this from time to time. They'll be talking about somebody and they'll say, "Oh, that guy—he—he he really was a—he had a lot of faith, but then this this or this thing happened, and I don't know what happened, but he abandoned his faith." Or, or this woman who was. And she was so engaged in her faith and then tragedy hit and she abandoned her faith. Can I just say to you this morning that the difficulty, tragedy, fear, none of those things actually take away somebody's faith. More often, they reveal it. Sometimes, they, they pull the curtain back for us and let us see that, that what we thought of God and who we thought he was was just way too small. And he wants us to see him totally different. So the story I want to look at with you from Numbers 13 this morning is a story about giants. Giants are actually scary. They're very intimidating. They come in lots of forms. They're they're realities or situations, thoughts that come to us that can just overwhelm us. There's financial giants, there's spiritual giants, there's relational giants, there's even physical giants. And when you're facing one, usually what accompanies it is anxiety, insomnia, worry, most poignantly fear. My giants often come at about three in the morning. Talk to me, sister. Yeah, you've been there. A couple of them showed up last Monday morning. I preached this sermon last Sunday and went to bed that night with all these thoughts going through my mind. About 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and there were some giants staring at me. Really? You think, and I mean, you've heard this before. So how do you fight against giants? And how do you fight against fear? Fear. Well, this morning, from this story, I want to look at the power of faith in the face of fear. So from Hebrews, this letter that was written to Hebrew believers to call them to persevere in their faith. They were getting tired. Been in, they thought Jesus was coming back. He, he didn't come, And they're, they're starting to wane in their faith. And this writer of the Hebrews is going, hold on let me tell you about some people who have walked and so he lists all these people who walked in faith and the people who read this letter, they knew all the stories they, they had heard them many times before, the names in the story are familiar, however there are some names that are left out of the story that they knew about too and I want to look at a list of those people this morning a moment of faith when instead of faith they chose fear so Let me put you in the context of the story and then we'll open chapter 13 of Numbers together. If you remember the story, God comes to Abraham and he makes a covenant with Abraham. That's a promise. And he promises him three things. I'm gonna give you a land. It's gonna be for your family, for your heritage. I'm gonna make your family so big they're gonna be so numbered you won't be able to count. Third thing I'm gonna do for you is I'm going to make your family a blessing to all the nations. Abraham believed him. He took his family, moved 500 miles away to this place he had never seen, never been. And late in his life, God gave him a son. His son had two sons. One of Isaac's sons had 12 sons. Those 12 sons became the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. But they still didn't have the land. In fact, they got taken out of the land and ended up in Egypt. Now that is a curious way to keep a promise. promised you a land, now let's go to Egypt. I don't know all the reasons that God took them to Egypt, but at the time they went, there were 70 of them. Think about this. To grow from 70 to 2 million without getting all mixed up with all the peoples around you, how do you do that? Because people start marrying other people who start marrying other people and pretty soon you don't know who's who and how are you supposed to make a nation out of this family and send them to Egypt? Because the Egyptians hate herders and they'll never marry one. So you don't got to worry about it. Put them off in a little corner of the land and just let them be. And it's there that God made a people that numbered a couple million. Only one problem, they're slaves. So how you gonna get them from there back to there? We well, they called a man named Moses and Moses led this people, you, you know the story, led them through the Red Sea and behind them the, the Red Sea swallowed up the greatest army on the planet at that time. So. Now they've come across that through the Red Sea. They're on the other side. They don't have anything to eat. So God sends them food. Every day when they wake up, there's food. And he gives them shoes with like a 40-year warranty on them. And, and he, he takes care of every need. And then he has Moses... Give them the words of the law and they build a tabernacle. And right in the middle of this people is this place where God dwells. And over it in the day there's a cloud, and at night there's fire. And all they got to do is follow. So that's where we pick up the story. It's time now to go into the land. That God had promised. Now we're talking like four or 500 years later. They still didn't have the land. God leads them out and puts them right on the border of the land. Now we're going in. But you're going in by faith. And faith is embracing what God has already promised. So this is what verse 1 of chapter 13 says God spoke to Moses and he says, Send men to scout out the country of Canaan that I am giving to the people of Israel. So the promised land, it's it's something that's been part of this story from the beginning, but nobody has inhabited it yet 450 years later. But they all knew the promise. So now they're there, it's time to go in. Moses didn't send in 12 spies, God did. Why did he send them in? Well, he didn't send them in to come back and give a commentary on whether we should do this or not. He just sent them in so that they could see what God was already giving them. These were not guys. They didn't have like a thing where, okay, you got to flip a coin. Who wants to go? They chose 12 men that were the leaders of their tribes. So when they came back, they could lead the people and say, this is what God... Amazing! But that's not what happened. They came back. He underlines in the text this was not just the land. We're not talking about Cleveland here. This is not the land. This is the promised land. And it was promised by God. They just didn't have it yet, but it was already theirs what was the point of this land? Like, why why is this such a big deal? There's a couple things that are really important. The first reason that God was giving this land to them was so that they can rest, so that they can have a place where they can know the shalom of God and they can be his people and, and walk in relationship with him. The second reason he was giving it to them was to reveal his own glory. Nobody at that time knew him. Jesus had not yet come and revealed the Father. The only thing that the people could see was the relationship that he had with his people, and it happened in a place, and that place was going to be Canaan. That was why this land was so important, and it was promised. It was already theirs. They just needed to possess it, and now the time has come. We're not waiting for that promise anymore. That one's done, it's fulfilled. We live on the other side of a promise. We were promised in Christ, rest. The promised land that God offers is not a piece of property, it's himself. And we live in a new covenant where in Christ we have become sons and daughters of the living God. He doesn't say you will be, you are. He doesn't say you will be forgiven, he says you, you are forgiven. He doesn't say you will be, you are free. So when we choose to not live in freedom, to not live in forgiveness, to not act like a son and a daughter of God, it's like he's given us a land but we won't possess it. That's where this people was living. And now it's time to go in. When we don't possess what God has already promised and paid for, we dishonor him. This people was God's people. The whole world is watching. God promises, here's the land, go in. And they go, there's giants in there. And they turn back. How does that apply to us Our Hope? We're God's family. We're, that's what a church is. It's a group of people that have been bought by Jesus Christ who, who are living together, and that happens in a place. Every church is a different story because... It's in a different place. It's a different group of people that God calls out to be his people in that place at that moment. And that has a story. We've been here for four and a half years now. The place that God has given us to be his family is this place that we're standing in. The place actually is not that important. The family is. But this is where that happens. And the story that God brought us into it's been being written for a long time. We just joined it four and a half years ago. God's been working in Olmstead Falls and Northeast Ohio for a long, long time. Been working in this place. This week, uh, we had a, a training day with the staff from Grace, and our staff met right here in this room. Spent a day together praying, talking, One of the women that's on staff at Grace was actually part of Worldview, the church that built this place. And when she walked in that morning, it was with tears. There's a lot of pain in the story. But she also had a great conversation and talked about the faithfulness of God, that God doesn't throw anything away. God redeems. And we're part of a story that's been being written and God has invited us and entrusted us at this place at this time. And I think one of the things that he's saying to us is to fill this place. Not so there's lots of people, but so his glory is known in greater and greater ways. There are a lot of people around us who need Jesus. And he's given us a place to be his family. It's not for us. We get to be here, but there's a whole lot of people that he wants us to make room for. And that's what he's inviting us into, to possess what he's already promised. The promise that he gave to his people was not, I'm just going to give you this walk in. There's giants Yeah, there is. But he said to them, I'll be with you. That's always the promise. I will be with you. So, faith is always about God's word. It's about promise. His church and his kingdom will always endure. Faith is about his promise. But it's also about perspective, Thomas heard about the resurrection of his Lord. They came back and they said, you're not going to believe it. He's alive. And he said, yeah, no. People don't rise from the dead. If I can't see it, I'm not believing it. I might have said the same thing. You might have said the same thing. So Jesus in his kindness comes and he says to Thomas, it's me. Here's my hands, my feet. And Thomas feels it and he goes, you're alive. And this is what Jesus said. You believe because you saw. Blessed are those who can't see, but they still believe. That's what faith looks like. Faith can't see everything. But that doesn't mean it's blind. It can see a lot of things if it turns around and looks back. There's giants in the land. That's what's in front of us. And we can't see how this going to look. But if you turn around, what you can see is, oh my goodness, the Red Sea opened, um, manna fell out of heaven, um, two million people got saved. There is some evidence that God's big, and faith is about perspective. So, so let me read to you what happened. So they send in these 12, they go in, they spend 40 days in the land. They walk around. One of the things they did is they found a cluster of grapes. And it was so big that it took two guys in a pole to carry the grapes. So for 40 days, they're walking around carrying these grapes. And now they're back. And Aaron and Moses call the people together. And they're going to give a report. Here's the report. Verse 26. They presented themselves before Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They reported to the whole congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told the story of their trip. Verse 27. We went to the land to which you sent us and oh my goodness, it flows with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit. The only thing there is the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. Amalekites are spread out in the Negev, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites. They hold the hill country. The Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan. Caleb interrupted. Why did he interrupt? Is something that they said not true? Yeah, no, everything they said is actually true. His concern was the tone. This was their tone. You got to be out of your ever-loving mind. We go in there, we are toast. So Caleb stops him and he says, Silence. It's time. Let's go up and take the land. We can do this. But the others said, We can't attack these people, they're stronger than we are. They spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. They said, we scouted out the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallows people up whole. Everybody we saw was huge. We even saw the Nephilim giants. The Enoch giants came from the Nephilim. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. A very encouraging report. The last sentence is the summary of the report. We felt like grasshoppers. And they even looked at us like we're grasshoppers. They they still thought they were slaves. They still didn't know who they were. that, That they were the people of God. That he had delivered them. That he was the one leading them. So... They bring their report and it brought such discouragement in the camp that they were ready to choose another leader to take them back to Egypt. Not a happy day in Israel. Here's my question. How did 12 people look at the same picture and 10 of them saw this and two of them saw this? It's all about perspective. When there's a promise, it's like there's a picture with a frame around it. No matter what's happening in the picture, the frame is the promise of God. And when God has spoken, it doesn't matter what the picture looks like. His word is always what is. And that's what Caleb and Joshua saw. been reading biography of Albert Simpson. He's the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, a man of just unbelievable faith that God used in a generation to to move a whole bunch of people. But one of the the chapters is he's in New York City. He's a pastor, renowned pastor of the 13th Street Presbyterian Church, making a really good salary, really becoming quite a renowned preacher and but he, he's burdened because his church doesn't seem to have a passion for the people he has a passion for which are the, the dock workers and the people who have no access to the church and to the gospel and when he tries to bring them in they don't really want them. So he decides I'm not going to make a big stink I'm just going to step down and and go and lead a group of people to reach out to these people. Well stepping down means that he lost his salary and his wife she, she didn't think it was as great an idea as he did. And they walked into a really big faith step. But that's what they thought God was calling them to. So right away, he started what he called the Gospel, tab, gospel Tabernacle of New York. And it was just a place where people could come off the streets. And they started in a dance hall in 1881. Five women, two men. By January of 19, 1882, they had grown to 35 and knew they needed a new place. So they, they moved to the Academy of Music and grew out of that in a month. And so they moved to another place called Steinway Hall and, and a few months later to the Abbey Park Theater on Broadway. And, and just every few months they moved again and they actually ended up in the place that later became Madison Square Garden. This little family of people just trying to find a home. Well, about three years in, they had already moved six times and, and Simpson felt like it was time to have a permanent place. So they found this lot not far from Broadway and it was an empty lot and they could buy it for a couple thousand dollars and figured out how much it would cost to build and they had this whole thing and invested like 10, $15,000 and the lawyer who was helping them ran away with the money. It's discouraging. So they said, Maybe God has something else. Well, a few weeks later, they found an armory that was in really bad shape, but it was right in the middle of the theater district. They could afford to buy it, but it needed about $100,000 of work, which is like a couple million dollars now, and they didn't have anything. But they, this is it. Let's, let's go after this. And so they talked to the owner, and they had the price agreed on, and they were right at the place where they were going to put the money down, And this Broadway director who had come from California and was trying to do a a theater piece in The Passion of Christ bought the theater out from under. Discouraging day. Simpson was discouraged. He got to church that night and a woman says to him, have you heard the good news? He said, no, honestly, I haven't heard any good news for quite some time. She says, well, here's the good news. God sent a man to fix up the old armory because we didn't have the money to do it, and as soon as he's done, I'm sure God will grant us the building. That's faith. Here's what happened. The guy bought the building. He wanted to do the Passion of Christ. He invested like $100,000 to fix the building up, to make a theater. It wasn't just a normal theater because it was the Passion of Christ. It had all these religious symbols and crosses. It was beautiful. He finished it, and he had one play. And then the mayor came and shut him down because he didn't have a license to do it. So he tried to fight the city, and finally lost, and he he left town. Now the building's just sitting there. So they go back, and the building's offered to him again the exact same price that they were going to pay before, but now it has $100,000 of work done in about perspective faith is looking at what you see and hear God saying and what you can't see you can't see but what you can see is that this God can do just about anything it's really about perspective here's the third idea in the story ten men didn't see it did. The lack of faith hurt everybody. God wasn't happy. He wasn't happy because he's an angry person. He wasn't happy because he had just blessed his people and poured himself out, and they, they just wouldn't trust him. Ten spies, they got everybody worked up. I mean, they went back to the camp and they said you guys if we go in there we're going to get destroyed so they they put together a plot and the plot was to overthrow Moses put somebody else in charge to lead them and go back into slavery what a great plan let's go back to egypt who would do that all of us god delivers us miraculously And we get into a tough spot. What do we do? We go, oh man, let's go back to where we knew. So, I mean, this is an uprising. This is not a pretty picture. The people, they're just about to do some really crazy things. And then God shows up and he speaks. God had delivered them. It wasn't kind of miraculous. It was very miraculous. The, the Red Sea actually opened up and they walked across. And then the army that was chasing them got swallowed up. And God fed them. And God cared for them. And God now wants to extend to them this gift that he had promised. And they didn't want to take it. Because they were afraid promised them the land but they didn't really trust him it wasn't a pretty sight there's a, a list of guys and I want to read you their names see if you recognize any of them here's their names Shemua Shafat, Egal, Palti Gadiel, Gadi Amiel, Sether, Nabi Gal you heard any of those names? Yeah, probably not. You ever heard the name Caleb or Joshua? There's like hundreds of them running around. There's some right among us. I just saw one right up there. There's a Josh right there. Why doesn't anybody name their kid Nabi? It's not because it's a bad name. But these two guys, we're still talking about their names because in a moment... When God called them, they said i, I can't see, but we 're going. Ten of them didn't, and their names got left out of the list. so let me try to close this that that could be a little bit discouraging, so let me close this on a more encouraging note. So here's the good news. Seeing giants, you don't need a doctoral degree to do it. Everybody can see them. It's not really that complicated. Walking into them, that's where faith enters. And, And what Numbers 14, I think, is saying to us is that actually the thing that's stronger than fear is love. This is what it says in verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me despite all the signs I have performed among them? Why is God angry? He's not angry because he's an angry person. He's angry because he loved these people. Why is he doing this? Because he loves them. And he wants to give them something and they won't take it. They won't trust him. Somebody leads you through the Red Sea and says, Would you walk over there? And you say, No, I can't trust you. That hurts. And, and so he says to them, None of you are going into the land. Doesn't mean I'm not going to keep my promise. In the scripture, it says, The one thing that's stronger than fear is love. Perfect love casts out fear. So Jesus says to his friends, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is the arm that they have? Well, if you go to John chapter 17, Jesus is with his disciples. It's the last night before he dies, and he's praying for them. Look at the prayer. What does he ask for? God, would you give them millions? Would you give them some amazing buildings and He didn't ask for any of that. All he asked for is this. Would you help them to love each other? Would you give them a unity like like the one that exists between us, Father? And if you do that, nothing will be able to stop this. So how do you overcome fear? You overcome it with love, with unity. That's what he offers. So we're walking into a new season. The worst thing we could do is pretend like there's no giants. A lot of Christians think that what it means to be a Christian is there's no giants anymore. Yeah, I don't know where that is. But there's giants. And the best thing to do is just name them. What are some of the giants that are standing in front of us? Well, for some of us, as we enter into this... None of us enter this without any story behind us. And you might have been a part of a church before where you walked through a time like this and it didn't go well. And people, it, it didn't go well. And so walking into this like, what? what that, yeah. Um, the, the people that, the, the 10 spies that went into the land, they said, man, in the land, it just devours people. Ah. I don't know how that happened. Like, I don't know when they were there, if the ground was just opening up, chewing people up. I don't know what they were seeing, but that's how they described it. Well, we're heading into something with, with Grace Church. They're, they're bigger than us. We're going to walk together with them, and you can look at it and feel like, wow, how, how is that going to work? Is that, does that mean that if I'm on the worship team or I teach children, like they're just going to come in and no. No, no, we're going to walk together. This is, it's going to take, there's going to be some bumps, but change, change can be a giant. It just, change is something that we've never done before. We've never done it this way before. So as we walk into it, so let me just pull four things out of this story as we take the next step in the journey. Are there giants? Yeah. They look different for all of us. And we need to give each other grace as we walk through this. For some people, they might be going, this is great. Others might be, "Ah, nobody asked me, um, this hurts, or I'm actually angry, or that's okay, but To do this well, we just need to love each other and walk with each other through this. We talked about this on Monday night with the elders. What would happen if somebody that's part of our church family looked at this picture and said, I don't don't fit in this anymore, and I feel like I just need to step away from this? how, How should we respond to that? Well, that might happen. What we hope will happen is, if that's you that you would just come to us and let us know. You know why? Because we're family. And we want to bless you. If you're sensing, you know, this is not... It's really important that as we walk through this, we give each other grace. Secondly, fight fear with unity. Love each other. If we do that well, this is going to go really well. Third thought. I believe that God has entrusted this place to us. It's not about this place. In, in Canaan, it wasn't about the physical land, but it was about being in the place that God was entrusting to them, and the place that he's entrusted to us is this one. And it's not about the place. It's about God's glory. And I think the next step in the journey for us is filling this place. Not, again, like I said earlier, it's not for the numbers. It's because this is where God put us, and he wants us to be in this community, the light of Christ. Lastly, God is going to build his kingdom. His bride, it will be. So, what we're part of is something eternal. Eternal and he's, he's going to build it and he's going to do it and he's just inviting us into it so let me tell you in closing what I'm not saying this morning I'm not saying hey this is what's going to happen get happy what I am saying is God's calling us to a faith step and as we take that faith step he's with us And he's in front of us, he's behind us, and and he wants us in the step to love each other and to trust him. And that's what I'm inviting us to. So, I want to close this morning with a song that's kind of a declaration about the glory of God. And I pray that as we walk on this journey that that's what will reveal itself more and more through us is his glory. Let me pray for us as the team comes. Father, thanks for these words. Thanks for just the admonitions that we've been looking at that, that tell us that you are trustworthy, that we can trust you. And for some of us in our personal journeys where we are right now, there's some giants that are staring at us. And there's moments that they feel overwhelming. That we need to know that the one who's guiding the ship loves us profoundly. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.